One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, and welcome to the news meeting, where we throw open the doors on the argument that happens in newsrooms everywhere, every day. It's the argument about what should lead the news and what follows, what matters and why. Three journalists are going to pitch their top story of the week to me, and we're going to try and make sense of what we know, what it means, and perhaps even where it leads. I'm James Harding. I'm the editor of Tortoise. I worked before at the FT, the Times, the BBC. And my job in all of this is, at the end of it, to try and make a judgment on what story really should lead the news. So from Podimo and Tortoise, welcome to the news meeting. I'm joined by three of my colleagues here at Tortoise. Alexi Mostras is our investigations editor. He's the man behind the great podcast Sweet Bobby and Hoaxed. It's his first time on the news meeting. Welcome. Hello. We've got Liz Mosley back for a third try. <laughs> We're still basking, aren't we, Liz, in your triumph in the first episode, but let's face it, second last time. Oh, disappointing. <laughs> and welcome Keith Blackmore, also an editor at Tortoise. We worked together at The Times and then the BBC. This is his first time too on the news meeting. Welcome. Thank you. Of course, this is really a little bit different to a normal news meeting. You've each only brought one story, and as we all know, life is not always that kind. Either you get tons or you've got nothing to come with at all. But Alexi, Liz and Keith are going to pitch one each, and together we're going to try and figure out what we really know about each story, what it means, where it leads, and frankly, how much it matters. Before we hear from them, here's a quick reminder of some of the stories of the week. At least 25 people have been detained across Germany over a plot to overthrow the state by force. A New York jury has found the Trump organization guilty of 17 counts of criminal tax fraud. We're going to bring it on home. Let's make this happen, Georgia. All seven Republicans, with Trump's specific endorsement, have now lost. The speed with which the zero COVID systems are now being dismantled has taken everybody by surprise. It's about hatred. It's about race. It's a dirty game. It's certainly very dramatic. After a bruising week for the Royals, is this a step too far? How did his colleague, Baroness Moan, end up with nearly £30 million of taxpayers' money in her bank account. Are you going to apologise to commuters? <laughs> we don't want this to happen at Christmas. The strikes are going ahead. Right, there's been loads happening this week. What do you each think matters most? Let's start with long stories short. In a single sentence, what's your story? Alexa, you go first. I'm going to give you a haiku. Google, once the king, now just a fading memory in the shifting sands. 
<laughs> He's absolutely done this, hasn't he? He's uh, there we are. I may as well go now. We can leave now. Um, Liz, do you have a news <laughs> item in a sonnet, perhaps? <laughs> I do. I've got a gag, if that counts. That's um, right. Anyone fancy a rice burger? Oh, yes. A rice burger. Keith? Mine is easy. Seven o'clock Saturday evening. Oh, OK. A forward-looking news story. Terrific. Alexia, should we start with you? Sure. So I, I was going to pitch, up until the last minute, I was going to pitch Harry and Meghan because their documentary is airing, like, literally right now. And it's the first rift in the post-Elizabethan monarchy. And I think it could be quite significant. But instead, I'm going to pitch a geeky, techie story about a chatbot called ChatGPT. And if you don't know what a chatbot is, if you've ever interacted with a, a bank or an online retailer uh, and you've communicated with them online, you're going to have interacted with a, a chatbot. And, and usually they're really unimpressive. But ChatGPT is like a million times better than any other chatbot you've ever seen because it uses these like incredibly powerful AI-driven neural networks to turn questions and um statements and into into accessible language so it's a bit like a kind of mix between google and an incredibly powerful siri so i've been playing with it in the last like a uh, few days you can ask it to kind of compose songs to write comedy sketches uh, to write emails uh, to your employees to compose agendas for like responsible ai conferences um i genuinely think that this technology is going to be the way that we interact with the internet going forward. If Google was a massive step forward in the late 90s, early 2000s, in terms of how we organise our information, chat GPT is the equivalent for 2022 and beyond. And what can it do? So it, it, it can do a lot of stuff. So you can... I, I asked it to compose um, a song about tortoise in the style of the Beatles. And it took all of the information that it had been fed through and it, in a matter of seconds, composed this kind of beautiful, crazy five-verse song uh, that mixed the Beatles with our, our own organisation. You can ask it to... Are you going to gonna sing it? <laughs> That's one step beyond. But you, it or you, Alexia. Yeah, yeah, it's perfectly capable. It's me that's the... That's the weak link. But you can ask it to... You, you've got programmers coming up on Twitter saying, I would pay $1,000 a month for a programmer that was as good as ChatGPT. That's the sort of value in programming terms because you can ask it to program a particular program and it will do it for you. And can it answer complex questions? Can it answer what's the best tax system for the UK or you know how <laughs> classic <laughs> James <laughs> Harding right. we're like we've written the song <laughs> stuff. Yeah, what will it do for inflation what's it going to do exactly <laughs> what's it going to do to you know Fix you, the tax system. That's what. <laughs> that's what ChatGPT surely is thinking that is about. the crucial test <laughs> of artificial intelligence. No, it literally can. You can ask it to write five paragraphs analysing the impact of uh, post-war tax reforms on the UK economy, and it will do it. So, so academic essays are gone. Right, they're gone as a result of this. So, so slightly awkward for this meeting, given we're only just getting going. Could you ask it what this week should lead the news? Yes, and uh, I won. Uh, I did that. <laughs> it said, I'll, I'll, I'll read it to you. Hold on. Oh, did um, you really? Yeah, no, I did that. I literally asked it that. 
And it said, Alexei Mostris's story about ChatGPT should be considered a strong contender for the win. It has the potential to revolutionise the way we interact with AI technology. Its launch could have significant implications for a variety of industries and could be of interest to a wide audience, making it a compelling and relevant news story. Or That's a English. pretty feeble recommendation. <laughs> and so, a strong what contender. What you asked it, though? How, how does it know what we're doing? I asked it, I, I gave it, I typed in the three stories mm-hmm. and I said, which do you think is the most relevant? Oh, I see. But hold on a second. Let, let's just go back to your initial call, which was, I was going to do Harry and Meghan and I ditched that for ChatGPT. Yeah. Why and how could ChatGPT make a judgment on what's more interesting and important to people, the Harry and Meghan story or the ChatGPT innovation? How can it do that? Well, to be honest, this is another aspect of the technology that I find kind of interesting and worrying because it does make that decision but you don't know how it makes that decision so one of the other reasons why I think this is very newsworthy is because we're moving from a situation where information is organized through kind of a a Google type search ranking system so you type in tell me about President Kennedy on Google and it'll give you the Wikipedia entry and so you've got like two stages where you can judge the uh, credibility of the source Whereas this, it just comes up with an answer. Which is, which is a melding of all its sources. Exactly. So you don't really know. And if that's the way we're going, it'll be more difficult, I think, to kind of sift misinformation from, from, wow. from the proper stuff. And Alexa, forgive me for being old school. What's the hook this week? Why, why this week? So it launched this week. What do you think, Liz? I think it's extraordinary. The detail in it that is sort of makes your blood run cold is the merging of all of the info, the assimilation of all of the sources. So you lose the ability to fact check or verify anything. It all just goes into this big bucket of information and comes out in some naturalised language. But Alexi, there must be footnotes. You must be able to identify where they've sourced information or you can't. It's a a black box. You can't, exactly. It's a black box. And that's because it's not so much scraping information like Google is, which is sourced, its AI is literally generating new information on the basis of the... Yeah. And because it comes out in in truly natural language, more natural than Siri, really, it sort of, it feels like it's a person. You can just imagine Red Dwarf style. You All you need to do is add a face to it and it's somebody that chats at you. It's extraordinary. Absolutely. What do you yeah. think, Keith? Well, I really am old school and also a fan of the Terminator films. So I really hate this. <laughs> uh, I don't. I mean, I don't hate the story, Alexi. I just hate the idea of synthetic information of this sort. And, and I, I, you know, I'm very glad I'm as old as I am so I won't have to live in a world where all these things have taken over everything. All right, and before we just go to the next story, <laughs> I know that I'm drawn towards reform of the tax system but (laughs) Harry and Meghan why did you ditch that as a story I just thought that this was kind of I remember being in the times in 2008 and and or 2009 and someone forwarding me an email invite to this new music platform called Spotify and I had a look at it and I just thought oh my god this is going to change music forever and I had the same thought when I looked at ChatGPT which is why I chose it all right should we go to the next story, Liz? What have you got for us? Well, spoilt for choice this week, but yeah, old Heinrich, Heinrich the Thirteenth in Germany. He's seventy-one in his tweed. Uh, he's a uh, sort of German aristocrat, a ringleader of a group of people calling themselves the Reichsburger. Apologies for the for the pronunciation. And uh, what happened a couple of nights ago? Um, Three thousand German police conducted one hundred and thirty-one raids across eleven states. 
arresting 25 people, including a serving judge and military personnel and other sort of luminaries, and accused them of a participation in a plot to overthrow the German government. And Heinrich the Thirteenth mm-hmm. is a—is he a real prince? Yes, he is a or, real prince. He's a real prince, he, and he sort of talks about his lineage that dates back to the you know nine hundred years or what have you, and um, their, their sort of desire. This particular the, the, the group themselves are not new. Um, Reichsbürger is a sort of about a sovereign citizenship. Um, there's a there's a sort of disgruntled nostalgia aspect to their demands. The, the group itself is not new. What seems to have happened. Um, is over the course of the pandemic. You remember in April there was the the authorities in Germany got uh, wind of the um, a plot to take the German health minister yes. abduct. Do you remember that? So that was the, seems to be the tip off for this wider um, group of people who have out of 20,000 or so members of this sort of pre-existing disgruntled bunch of German conspiracy theorists have managed to coalesce around Heinrich Thirteenth as the ringleader and get themselves together in an organised plot. I mean, they're Germans. You remember when we watched the storming of the capital? Yes. It was terrifying, but you were kind of looking at them and thinking, what's your plan, lads, you know? <laughs> the Germans do it differently. And, and that seems to be what makes this not only a completely fascinating and jaw-dropping story, but a, a terrifying one as well. But, but what's the link between, or is there a link at all, between January the 6th, Capitol Hill, QAnon, yes. the Reichsburger? It's, or- it's a good question. And the, the link would seem to be, they, the uh, German authorities have access to the telegram groups that the group have been using to sort of communicate with one another. And in those telegram groups is all those familiar conspiracy theory um, flavours that we're familiar with. So um, deep state, politicians are paedophiles, you know, healthy dose of racism and anti-Semitism, the whole bit. It seems to be the pandemic that has further accelerated um, the sort of ambition of the group to say uh, they're controlling us all with the vaccines. You know, we need to go back to the beginning again. Keith, what do you think? Well, uh, you know, I know that Donald Trump managed to become US president, but I can't help. It, it, it sounds to me too much like a Peter Sellers film basically a bunch of nutters gathering up to do a an impossible you know it's impossible to see how their mission could have succeeded i think and and for that reason i tend to think of it for its comedy value rather than its I'm, i don't feel frightened by it or threatened or uh, and i don't think i draw any conclusions about the future of democracy in germany as a result but there's a strange thing because when you read the coverage and the response from Olaf Scholz, the Chancellor's mm-hmm, mm-hmm. spokesman, they talk about far-right terrorism, far-right conspiracy theories being the greatest threat to the German state. Mm-hmm. Right? It's, it's a big change from where we were 10 years or so, Islamic terrorism. It's a big change from AFD and worries about migration. They, they treat it, Keith, as though it's something really serious. And tonally, I don't know whether or not they're justifying the scale of their operation or they know something we don't. Justice Minister, the German Justice Minister, tweeted that an armed attack on constitutional bodies was planned. So you don't feel 3,000 police officers for a bunch of cranks. That, they were, that this was going to be a military operation Correct. against the Bundestag. Correct. Alexi, what do you think? Well, I, comp- I, I completely agree with, with Liz. I, I don't think you use 3,000 police officers unless there's a, a serious threat. I also think it's really interesting how QAnon has developed outside the US. 
apparently, um, German QAnon accounts comprise the largest non-US body of pro-QAnon uh, content online. And it seems like in that particular country, there is this like really febrile mix of QAnon supporters, ex-Nazis, right right wing and and they seem to have come together in a kind of organized capacity that seems quite dangerous you also by the way chose the rice burgers over harry and Meghan. i notice Tempted? i did i so i was tempted but i first of all i haven't seen the show yet i'm gonna go watch it when we finish doing this and um i kind of struggled to muster anything new to say at this point good <laughs> i can just say i saw a brilliant thing on twitter yesterday about harry and Meghan, and that the, um, the what Harry should do really is instead of fighting with his brother in this way he should simply go north raise an army they should have a battle somewhere around Leicester <laughs> and whoever wins becomes king that's how they used to do it 500 years ago I'd and it that. worked so well back then it made much better Netflix, Netflix series <laughs> let's be honest it made a much better Netflix series and also ChatGPT could probably write something in iambic <laughs> pentameter that would put it into a series of history plays All right, before we come to Keith, let's take a quick break. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, It's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. All right, Keith, what's your story? Well, luckily for me, James, not for the first time, you made the wrong decision in this meeting a couple of weeks ago. Um, To adapt (laughs) the American political strategist James Carville's famous phrase, it's the World Cup, stupid. (laughs) 23.3 million people watched on TV this summer as England's women beat Germany in the European Championships. 20 million watched England's men beat Senegal in, in the group match last Sunday evening. Tomorrow... England will play the world champions, France, for a place in the World Cup semi-finals. This is the first, and we hope the last, Winter World Cup. It's going to be cold outside, there's no school the next day, nor work for most people. And anyway, next week, just about everyone in the service, health and transport industries will be on strike. So there's a reasonable chance that the greatest ever average UK TV audience may watch the game. Breaking the record of 32.3 million, set in... 1966, when of course England were playing in the World Cup final. 
Much has changed, multiple platforms and so on, but ITV has a chance to make history tomorrow. And even if it doesn't break the record, this story will affect nearly half the population. You will not be able to escape it by staying in or going out. And by the way, if you hate sport, Liz, it affects you too. <laughs> a great night to get into that fashionable restaurant or a five-star show. But you're going to be talking about whatever happened in guitar on, on Monday morning, whether you like it or not. It used to be when I was a sports journalist that, that our department was regarded as the toy shop of journalism. But nowadays, it's serious too. This whole World Cup is a disgrace. It should never have been awarded to Qatar, and they've behaved like beasts to protesters and contracted workers. Nor should it have been moved to the winter. But the protests and the suppression of them have probably done some good, or bad if you were FIFA and the Qatari government, for oppressed people. And more pleasing still, it's causing trouble in Covid-confined China, where they've had to censor the pictures of maskless crowd-watching what is indisputably the world's favourite game. And by the way, if England win and reach the semi-final, look out for another record-breaker on Wednesday. And if they win that, well, you won't need to have this meeting next week. <laughs> All right, welcome to the last 15 years of my working life. <laughs> That's basically what it's been every news meeting. Me saying, can we talk about tax reform? <laughs> Keith saying, no. you're extremely boring. <laughs> All right, but Keith, hang on. You seem to be saying two totally different things in the story. Not to mention the fact that you slightly undermined your own case by saying we're going to have an even better story on Wednesday and possibly if they reach the final. But the two things you seem to be saying are there's a scandal in this World Cup and there's just joy that trumps it. So what is the actual story? Well, I think the point I'm making is that football is so powerful that no matter how corrupt or evil its surroundings, it still has an effect everywhere. It permeates it, anywhere where people... It's such a simple game... You just need a ball and a couple of jumpers and you can have a game. And it is. And nowadays, women play uh, playing as, as well and, and in some ways better than men. It's, it's, it engages people in a way that almost no other pastime can do. But there's, there is a question here, which is, what's the news in this? What's the purpose of the news, other than to tell people what they already well, know, which is switch on at seven. Well, that's, that's, the def that's the definition of... We're talking now about what is news, then. If, you were, if we were producing any kind of newspaper or, or broadcast now, you'd have to lead it in the next two days or the next with this story. It's going to be the story that everybody's engaged on. But, I, I have to say, I, I think the only rival... Interestingly, if you look at the top ten television uh, shows ever in terms of audience the only it, the football's only rival is the royal family um you know the, i think of the top 10 things eight of them are all are either football or royal family stories so so I, I i think i'd have had a harder job on my hands here if we'd done megan and harry um but i think that the the one thing that we'll all be talking about i know you'll be talking about inflation but everyone else <laughs> will be talking about no, no, whether england my, win or lose but that's not but that's not entirely my point liz and i actually had this discussion last week when we were talking about the Balenciaga story, and I think you said something, anything that's that popular is important, right? I'm still not clear about that. I'm not entirely clear whether just because half the country watches it, we as a newsroom have anything to tell you about what it means or why it matters. That strikes me just as an opinion, James. My opinion is the opposite. I think it. I think we've got lots of things to tell you about it. For example, about the TV audiences. Just to take a you know random fact, I could find a hundred things, and we could we could you could look around at 
where it's being watched. You so could, your point is just given given the number of people who are interested in it, put your pen in that vein. Go after the thing. Correct. Where, yes. What do you think, Alexi? Uh, I am um, quite sure that if I had the, the choice between um, an international QAnon-led conspiracy to overthrow one of the world's most important democracies versus a tournament that started two weeks ago and probably shouldn't have happened in the first place. <laughs> I mean, you've got a story here about 3,000 police arresting a kind of cabal of people who were threatening German democracy. And, and yeah, for me, that, that is the more, more important story. Liz, what do you think of, what do you think also of Keith's broad point that this is where people's attention is, this is where we should be? I suppose what I would say about there's going to be a football match and lots of people are going to watch it as a news story, it doesn't really wash with me. Not because I don't think the World Cup is important, because I do. <laughs> I'm clearly not a football fan. But because my assessment, and I think that we can sort of empirically probably prove this, is that the spirit of the country is not with this World Cup in the way it has been with other big international football tournaments. It's just not there. We all remember the metatarsal. Mm -hmm. You know, I never, I've never get over that front cover. The, everybody, 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 and that felt like a moment. But with this World Cup, even my football-loving friends... All right, the rules of this news meeting, and given that we've all been in news meetings, there are no rules, but the rules of it are this. Each of you are then asked which story you would lead on and you're not allowed to choose your own. So before I kind of chew the end of my pencil and say, here's what I think should lead the news, why don't you go first, Liz? Alexi. Chat GPT. 100%. Why? Because I think in one year, two years, five years, when it really is a, a face in our kitchens that we talk to and ask it to boil the kettle, whatever the thing is that we do, I think we'll look back at when it launched and, and, and laugh at how primitive it was. But I do, I do think it's the beginning of a totally different way of existing in the world. Keith? I think I'm going to go with Liz's, not just to even a score, but also to, because... Because um, you've been mean about me all the way through. <laughs> yeah, and also, you know, as you know, a late change of subject there, to wrong foot for <laughs> poor colleagues in this enterprise. But, um, but, but actually, although I can't take it seriously, it, at least it, it pleases me as a story. It has dimensions that seem interesting to me. Whereas Alexis is another... No doubt significant because Alexi knows what he's talking about, but but uh, depressing and worrying and possibly amorphous and and uh, difficult to predict story. So I don't, and I think it's too early in its development for it to be as quite as grand a story as Alexi thinks it is. Alexi, well, when I was listening to Keith talk about the football, it was it was it was quite persuasive, um, but I'm still gonna. I would still go with Liz because I just think this is a genuinely scary news story uh, with all sorts of things that need unpacking. All right, well, let me have a go at how I would do it. Some weeks there are no stories. There's actually nothing really in the cupboard. And this week, it's totally obvious you could lead with any of the three. You could very, very sensibly make the case that the Reichsburger story is a story about a hidden threat to democracies, not just in Germany, but in the US too, and in all 
democracies everywhere. You can plainly lead the news on the idea that, frankly, everyone's most interested in England and almost any aspect to it, who's in the team lineup, what the audience might be, a cultural milestone. That's going to be interesting. And you could also lead the news on ChatGPT on the basis that it's a harbinger of really profound and different things to come. For what it's worth, I would actually go like this. I would have Reichsburger as the third story because it is a very significant thing. It's clearly a colossal operation. It's one story. The more you get into it, the more fascinating it is and the characters and the networks and the connection between the US and Germany. But it's a story that almost happened but didn't. I would then have England come in second. And the reason for that is, Keith, while I understand that there's a huge audience that's interested, this, I suppose, gets you to the question of what kind of newsroom are you? What you're really revealing here are your prejudices in news. And mine is for being a newsroom that's trying to get at what's driving the news rather than just another story that's leading the news. I suppose one of the things that interests me most as a journalist is not waiting for the news to show up, but trying to go after it. And the reason I think that the chat GPT story is the most interesting is it is like a product launch that's mostly ignored. But if you do go after it, what you get at is a whole new age of the internet, a new age of information and a displacement, as we all talked about, about the work and the roles of people in the marketplace for information. That seems to me to be hugely significant. And if we led the news on it, we'd be saying something. So with that in mind, Alexi's ChatGPT story would lead the news this week. That's it for this week's news meeting. Thank you to Alexi, Liz and Keith for bringing the stories and to you for listening.